Ashley Brock, Rain, Diane Palmer's book, Mercenaries Woman, Chapter 8. Hello, Margie, Eb said, standing up to greet the pretty green-eyed brunette who took possession of his arm and smiled up at him. It's good to see you again so soon, she said with obvious pleasure. You remember Cord Romero, don't you? She indicated a tall, dark-haired, dark-eyed man beside her without meeting his eyes. He and I were fostered together by Mrs. Amy Barton, the Houston socialite. Sure, how are you, Cord? Eb asked. The other man, his equal in height and build, nodded. Sally was curious about Maggie's obvious uneasiness around the other man. Sally, this is Margie Burton and Gord Romero. Sally Johnson. They acknowledged the introduction and Eb added, Won't you join us? Sally's heart plummeted as she saw Maggie's eyes light up at the invitation and knew she wouldn't refuse. We may be intruding, Cord said with a pointed look at Sally. Oh, no, not at all. I thought Sally needed a night out, Eb said easily, and with a warm smile in Sally's direction. She's an elementary school teacher. The man, Cord, studied her with open curiosity while Eb seated Maggie. Allow me, Cord said smoothly, standing behind Sally's chair. Sally smiled at the old worldly courtesy. Thank you. Eb glanced at them with unreadable eyes before he turned back to Maggie, who was flushed and avoiding looking at the other couple. Quite a coincidence running into you here, he said in a neutral tone. It was Cord's idea, Maggie said. He felt like a knight on the town, and he doesn't date these days. Better your father's sis foster sister than nobody, right, Cord? She added with a nervous laugh and smiled, and a smile that didn't touch her eyes. Cord shrugged, broad shoulders, indulgently, and didn't say a word. But his distaste for her reference was there in those unblinking dark eyes. Sally was, Sally was curious about him. She wondered what he did for a living. He was very fit for a man his age, which she judged to be about the same as Ebb's. His hands were rough and callous, as if he worked physically rather than sat behind a desk. He had the same odd stare that she noticed in Ebb and Dallas, and even Cy Parks, a probing but unfocused distant stare that held a strange hollowness. How are things going at the ranch? Maggie asked gently. I heard that you had Dallas out there with you. Yes, he replied. He's doing some consulting work for me. Shot the pieces, wasn't he? Cord asked abruptly, his eyes on Sally's face. That happens when a man doesn't keep his mind on his work, Eb said with a pointed glance at Cord, who avoided his, averted his eyes. One of my friends is hosting a huge party down in Cancun for Christmas, Maggie murmured, drawing a lazy polished nail across the back of Eb's hand. Why don't you take some time off and go with me? No time, Eb said with a smile to soften the words. I'm not a man of leisure. Baloney, she replied. You could retire on what you've got squirreled away. And do what? He came to draw reply. Do I look like a lounge lizard to you? I didn't mean that. She said and her eyes searched his face for a long moment. I meant that you could give up walking into danger if you wanted to. That's an old argument and you know what the answer is. Ed told her bluntly. She withdrew her hand from his with a sad little sigh. Yes, I know, she said wearily. It's in your blood and you can't stop. Involuntarily, she glanced at Cord. 
Eb frowned a little as he watched her wilt. Sally saw and knew at once that he and Maggie had gone through that very argument years ago when she broke in their engagement. It wasn't their emotions that had slip, split them up. It was his job that he wouldn't quit, not even for a woman he loved enough to marry. She felt helpless. She'd known at some level that he was carrying a torch for Maggie. She stared at her own short, unpolished nails and paled them with Maggie's long, red-stained, beautiful ones. The difference was like the women themselves, one colorful and flamboyant and drawing attention, the other recluse and practical and dull. No wonder Eb hadn't wanted her all these years, those years ago. Besides the, beside the exotic Maggie, she was insignificant. What subject is your speciality, Miss Johnson? Cord asked curiously. History, actually, she said, but I teach second grade, so I'm not really using it. No ambition to teach higher grades? He persisted. She shook her head and smiled wearily. I tried it when I did my practice teaching, she confessed, and by the end of the day, my classroom was more like a zoo than a regiment place of learning. I'm afraid I don't have the facility to handle discipline at a higher level. Gordon's lean face lightened just a little as he studied her. I had the facility, but the principal and the school board didn't like my methods, he replied. You teach, she asked, enthused to find a colleague in such an unlikely place. I taught high school science for a year, after I got out of college, he said, but it wasn't a profession I could love enough to continue, he shrugged. I found I had an aptitude in a total unrelated area. Maggie's hand clenched on her water glass, and she took a quick sip. What do you do? she asked, fascinated. He glanced at Eb, who was openly glaring at him. Ask Eb, he said on a brief, deep laugh, with a cold glance in Maggie's direction. Can we order now? He asked, lifting the menu. I haven't even had lunch today. Eb signaled a waiter and brought Sally's conversation with Gord to an end. It was the longest and most tense meal Sally could remember having sat through. Maggie and Eb talked about places and people that they shared in memory while Sally concentrated on her food. Cord was polite, but he made no further attempt at conversation. At the end of the evening, as the two couples parted outside the restaurant, Maggie held on to Eb's hand until he had to forcefully draw it away from her. Can't you come up and have dinner with us again one evening? Maggie asked plaintively. Perhaps. Eb said with a careless smile. He glanced at Gord. At Gord. Good to see you. Gord nodded. He glanced out at Sally. Nice to have met you, Miss Johnson. Same here, she said with a smile. Maggie hesitated and looked uneasy as Cord deliberately took her arm and propelled her away. She went with him, but her back was arrow straight and she looked as if she was walking on hot coals and on the way to her own execution. Eb started a stared after them for a long moment before he put Sally into the slick jaguar and climbed in under the wheel. He gave her a look that could have curled milk. Don't encourage him, he said at once. Her mouth flew open. What? What? You heard me. He started the car and turned towards Sally. His eyes went over her like sensuous fingers, brushing her throat, her bare shoulders under the coat, the shadowy hollow in her breasts revealed by the low-cut dress. It was way... He has a weakness for blondes. He was ravishing you with his eyes. She didn't know how to respond. While Sally was trying to come up with a response, he moved closer and slid a hand under her nap, under the heavy coil of her hair, and pulled her face up toward his. So was I, he whispered roughly, and his mouth went down on her lips, burrowing beneath them, pressing them apart, devouring them. At the same time, his free hand slid right down into the low bodice of her dress, curved around her warm, bare breast. 
Eva! She choked, stiffening. He was undeterred. He groaned, overcome with desire, and his fingers contracted in a slow, heated, sensual rhythm that brought Sally's mouth open in a tiny gasp. His tongue found the unprotected heat of it and moved inside, in lazy, teasing motions that made her whole body clench. He felt her nervous fingers fumble against the front of his dress shirt, and patiently and unfastened three buttons and dragged her hand inside the shirts, over hair rough and muscles, down to a nipple as hard as the one pressing feverishly into the palm of his hand. She was devastated by the passion that had kindled so unexpectedly. She couldn't find the strength or the voice to protest the liberties he was taking or to care that they were in a public parking lot. She didn't care about anything except making sure that he didn't stop. He couldn't stop. He mustn't stop. He mustn't. But he did. Suddenly, he held her hands together tightly as he moved a little away from her, painfully aware that she was trying to get back into his arms. No, he said courtly and shook her clenched hands. She stared into his blazing eyes, her breath rustling in her throat, her heartbeat visible at the twin points so blatantly obvious against the bodice of her dress. He glanced down at her and his jaw clenched. His own body was in agony, and this would only get worse if he didn't stop them now. She was too responsive, too tempting. He was going to have to make sure that he didn't touch her that way when they were completely alone. The consequences could be devastating. It was the wrong time for a torted relationship. If he let himself lose his head over Sally right now, it could cost all of them their lives. Forcefully, he put her back into her own seat and fastened the seatbelt around her. She just stared at him with those huge, soulful gray eyes that made him feel hungry and guilt-ridden all at the same time. I have to get you home, he said tersely. She nodded. Her throat was too tight for words to get out. She clenched her small purse in her hands and stared out the window as he put the car in the gear and pulled out into traffic. It was a long and very silent drive back to her house. He was preoccupied, as distant as she remembered him from her teens. She wondered if he was thinking about Maggie and regretting the decision he made that put her out of his life. She was mature now, but beautiful as well, and it didn't take a mind reader to know that she was still attracted to Ebb. How he felt was less obvious. He was a man who knew how to hide what he felt, and that skill was working overtime tonight. Why did Maggie introduce Cord as a foster child at first and then refer to him as her brother? Are they related? Yes. They are not, he returned finally. His parents died in a fire, and she came from... His parents died in a fire, and she came from a severely dysfunctional family. Miss Barton adopted both of them. Maggie took her name, but Cord kept his own. His father was a rather famous matador in Spain until his death. Maggie does usually try to present Cord as her brother. She's scared to death of him, despite the fact that they've kept in close touch all these years. That was a surprise. But why is she scared of him? He chuckled. Because she wants him, although she's apparently never realized it. <laughs> he returned with a quick glance. He's been a colleague of mine for a long time, and I always thought that Maggie got engaged to me to put Cord out of the reach of temptation. <sighs> she pondered that. A colleague? That's right. He still works with Micah still, he said. He's a demolition expert. Isn't that dangerous? Very, he replied. His wife died four years ago. Committed suicide, he added chocolately. He never got over it. Why did she do something so drastic, she asked. 
because he was working for the FBI when they married and he got shot a few months after the wedding. She hadn't realized he w his work would be so dangerous. He was in the hospital for weeks and she went haywire. He wouldn't give up the job he loved and she found that she couldn't live with the knowledge that he might end up dead. She couldn't give him up either, so she took what she considered the easy way out. His face so grimly. Easy for her. Hell on him. She drew in a sharp breath. I suppose he felt guilty. Yes, that was about the time Maggie broke up with me, he added. She said she didn't want to end up like Patricia. She knew Cord's wife? They were best friends, he said shortly. And something happened between Cord and Maggie just after Mrs. Barton's funeral. I never knew what, but it ended in Maggie's, Maggie's sudden, ma sudden marriage to a man old enough to be her father. I don't know why, but I think it had something to do with Cord. He's unique. He let her, yes, he's a hardened mercenary now. He gave up law enforcement when Patricia died and took a job with the next special forces unit that went into freelance work. He started doing demolition work, and now it's all he does. Her eyes seven. He wants to die. Your perspective, he mused. That's what I think, too. How a pity that he and Maggie don't see each other. They're a lot alike. She looked at her purse. You aren't still carrying a torch for her? He chuckled. No, <laughs> she's a guy's way woman, and I probably would have married her if things had been different. But I don't think she could have lived with me. She takes m things too much to heart. Don't I? She fished. He smiled. At times, but you're spunky, Miss Johnson. And despite the scare you had with your two neighbors, you don't balk at fighting back. I like your spirit. When I lose my temper, and I do occasionally, you won't be looking for a closet to hide in. That might be true, she confessed, but if you were into demolition work, I think I'd run in the opposite direction when I saw you coming. He nodded, which is exactly what Maggie did, he replied. She ran from Cord and got engaged to me. That was heartening. If the woman was carrying a torch for another man, it might stop Ebb from falling back into his old relationship with her. Jealous, he murmured with a sensuous glance. Her heart raced. She moved one shoulder a little and avoided his gaze. Then she sighed and said, Yes? He chuckled. Now that really is flattering, he said. Maggie's part of the past. I have no hidden desire to rekindle old flames. Except the one you and I shared. <laughs> he qualified. Sally turned her head and met his searching gaze. Her breath caught in her throat as she stared back at him hungrily. Watch it, he said, not quite joking. When we drive up in your yard, we'll be under surveillance. I don't want an audience for what we were doing in the parking lot at the restaurant. She laughed delightedly. Okay. On the other hand, he added, we could find a deserted road. She hesitated. It was the one thing for it to happen spontaneously, but quite another to plant such a central interlude. She wasn't sure of her own protective instincts around Deb. She didn't seem to have any. Don't make such heavy weather of it. He said after a minute, there's no hurry. We've got all the time in the world. Have we? She wondered, remembering Lopez and his friends. Don't gulp down your life, Sally, he said. Take it one minute at a time. I'm not going to let anything happen to you or Jessica or Stevie, okay? She's well. Sorry. I panic when I think about how dangerous it is. I've been handling danger for a long time, he reminded her. I have a state-of-the-art surveillance system. Nothing is going to get past it. She managed a weak smile. He's very ruthless. He's been getting away with murder, he said simply. He doesn't think the justice system can touch him. We're going to prove to him that it can. How do you bring a man to justice when he's rich enough to buy a country? You cut off the source of his wealth, he said simply. Without his head, the snake can't go far. 
Good point. I'll stop worrying. I'll try. He reached to cut across the sea for a hand and locked it into his big warm, warm one. I enjoyed tonight. So did I, she said gently. Maggie is my future, in case you were wondering. He added in a soft tone. Sally hoped fervently that it was true. She wanted Ed with all her heart. His fingers tightened on her. I think it might be a good idea if I start driving you and Stevie to school and picking you up in the afternoons. Her heart leaped. Why? He glanced her. Because Lopez wouldn't hesitate to keep kidnap either or both of you to further his own ends. Even two miles is a long distance when you don't have any sort of protection. She stared at him wearily. Why didn't Jesse leave well enough alone? She asked miserably. If she hadn't gotten that person to talk. Hindsight is wonderful, we told her. But try to remember that Lopez's operation supplies about a quarter of all narcotics sold in the States. That's a lot of addicted kids and a far number of dead ones. She grimaced. Sorry, I was being selfish. And it isn't selfish to be concerned for the welfare of people you love, he told her. But getting Lopez behind bars and cutting his connections will help make the world a better place. A little worry isn't such a bad trade-off, considering... I guess not. He brought the back of her hand to his mouth and kissed it warmly. You look lovely tonight, he said. I was proud of you. Her face flushed at the red compliment. I'm always proud of you, she replied softly. He chuckled. You're good for my ego. You're good for mine. He kept his eyes on the road with an effort. He wanted to pull the car onto a side road and make passionate love to her. But that wasn't that was impractical. Given the circumstances, all Lopez men needed was an opportunity. He wasn't going to give them that. Them one, despite his teasing comment to Sally about it, when they pulled up into her driveway, the lights were all on in the house, and Dallas was sitting in the front porch swinging, smoking like a furnace. Have a nice time? Yes, as Evan Sally came up the stairs. Very nice, Evan said. I ran into Cord Romero. I thought he was overseas, helping to turn unexploded landmines. Not now, Ebdor. He's in Houston. Between jobs, maybe. Why are you sitting out here? <laughs> Dallas started at, stared at the red tip of his cigarette. Jessica has a cough, he replied. I didn't want to agitate it. Or the two of you speaking, Ebdor. Dallas laughs at me. Well, she stopped trying to throw things at me, at least. Sally's eyes were enormous. That didn't sound like her state and What was she throwing, Eb asked. Anything was in reach. That felt expendable, came <laughs> the driver reply. Stevie thought it was great fun, but she wouldn't let him play. He's gone to bed. She's pretending to watch TV. You're my doctor, Eb suggested. Chance, Dallas replied. It would be a fine thing. She doesn't want to talk, thank you. He finished the cigarette. I'll be out in the woods with Smith. Watch where you walk, Eb cautioned. Mind the forest, did we? Dallas murmured wickedly. Eb not with explosives, at least. Dallas shook his head and went down the steps to vanish in the direction of the woods at the edge of the yard. Sally rubbed her arms through the coat, shivering, and it wasn't even that cold. She felt the danger of her predicament keenly and wished that she could have done something to prevent the, the desperate situation. You're doing it again, Ed murmured John Ergus. You have to trust me. I won't let anything happen to any of you. She looked up at him with white soft ass eyes. I'll try not to worry. I've never been in such a mess before. Hopefully you never will again, he said. And he bent and kissed her very gently, nibbling her lower lip before he lifted his head. I'll be somewhere nearby, or my men will. Try to get some sleep. 
Okay. She touched her fingers to his mouth and smiled wanly before she turned to walk to the door. Thanks for supper, she added. It was delicious. It would have been better without the company, he said. But that was unavoidable. Next time I'll, next time I'll plan better. She smiled at him. That's a deal. He watched her walk inside the house and locked the door before he, before, behind her before he turned and got into his truck. Less than 24 hours remained before Lopez would make good, good on his threat. He had to make sure that everyone was prepared for a siege. Sally paused in the doorway of the living room with her eyes wide as she saw the damage Jessica inflicted with her missiles. Good lord, she explained. Jessica grimaced. Well, he provoked me, she muttered. He said that I've gotten lazy in my old age, just lying around the house like a garden slug. I do not lie around like a garden slug. No, of course you don't, Sally said, placating her while she went to pick up pieces of broken pottery and various other objects from the floor. Besides, what does he expect me to do without my eyesight? Drive the car? Sally was trying not to smile. She'd never seen her aunt in such a tizzy before. He actually accused me of insanity because they won't give up the name to Lopez, she added harshly. He said that a good mother wouldn't have withheld a name and put her child in danger. That's when I threw the flower pot, dear. I'm sorry. I do hope it hit him. Sally made a chuckling sound. You're not yourself, Jess. Yes, I am. I'm the result of all his sarcasm. He can't find one thing about me that he likes anymore. Everything I do and say is wrong. <laughs> he doesn't seem like a bad man, Sally ventured. I didn't say he was bad. I said he was obnoxious and condescending and conceited. She pushed back a strand of hair. He was laughing the whole time. We surely made things worse, Sally mused silently. I expect it was Wilson Payne, Jess. You couldn't hurt him, she scuffed. You'd have to stick a bomb up his shirt. Drastic, surely. Jesse sighed and leaned back in the chair, looking drained. I hate arguments. He seems to thrive on them, she hesitated. He taught Stevie how to braid a rope, she added unexpectedly. That's odd. I thought Stevie wanted to beat him up. They have a talk outside the room. I don't know what was said, Jess confessed. But when they came back in, Dallas had several links of rawhide, and he taught Stevie how to braid them. He was having the time of his life. Then what? Then, she said, her lips compressed briefly. He just happened to mention that I could have taught him how to braid rope and a lot of other things if I didn't exert myself occasionally instead of vegetating in front of a television that I can't see anymore. I see. Pity I ran out, thanks to throw, she muttered. I was reaching for the lamp when he called a draw and said he was going to sit on the front porch. Then Stevie decided to go to bed. She gripped the arm of her chair hard. Everybody ran for cover. You think I was a Chinese rocket or something? In a temper, there is something of a comparison, Sally chuckled. The older woman drew in a long breath. Anyway, how was your date? Not bad. We ran into his ex-fiance at the restaurant. Maggie? Jess asked, wide-eyed. How is she? She's very pretty and still crazy about Ed, from all indications. I think she'll have followed us home into her dark... If her dark and handsome escort hadn't half-dragged her away. Cord was there? You know him?
Sally asked curiously. Jess nodded. He was a handsome devil. I had a yin for him once myself, but he married Patricia instead. She was a little drenched in china doll, blonde and absolutely gorgeous. She worshipped Cord. They'd only been married a few months when he was involved in a shootout with a narcotics dealer. She couldn't take it. When Cord came home from the hospital, she was several days dead with a suicide note note clutched in her fingers. He found her. He was like a madman after that, looking for every dangerous job he could find. I don't suppose he ever got her, got over her yet. He loved her desperately. Ev says he works for Micah Steele. He does, and there's a real coincidence. Micah also has a stepsister, Callie. You know her? She works in Mr. Kemp's law office. Yes, we went to school together, but Micah doesn't have anything to do with her or his father since his father divorced Callie's mother, they say. She murmured, that old Mr. Still caught Micah with his new wife in a very compromising position and tossed them both out in their ears. That's the obvious story, Jessica said dryly. But there's more to it than that. How does Callie feel about Micah's work, do you think? The way any woman would feel, Jessica replied gently. Afraid. Sally knew that Jess was talking about Dallas and how she regretted his work as a soldier of fortune. She stared at the darkened window, wondering how she'd feel under the same circumstances. At least Eb wasn't involved in demolition work or actively working as a mercenary. She knew that she could adjust to Eb's lifestyle, but the trick was going to be convincing Eb that she could, that he needed her as much as she needed him. End of chapter 8